It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. It is great to be with you. By the way, you can join us during the week. Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. And if you can't make it at 4, you can text your favorite 9-year-old who will teach you how to DVR the show. And... You can live stream us on the internet, LarryCudlowShow.com, LarryCudlowShow.com, all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system and the Milky Way. And we're going to do some stock market work. The worst week of 2023, that's the headline in the Wall Street Journal this morning. See, the Dow is off uh, 1,010 points. The NAS is down 392. The S&P 500 was down 109 points. And I want to say, well, let me bring in our guests. So bring in our guests. This is going to be fun. Jim Urio, director of TJM Institutional Services, Chicago's leading restaurateur. And Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial, formerly of Notre Dame. And by the way, fellas, you know, we're on 150 stations around the country now. 150, 150 oh, stations. I love it. Yeah, we finally yeah. took us a couple years to build back. Um, I want to, you know, I had uh, the great Lee Cooperman on, uh, truly a Hall of Fame investor. And he was on the TV show last night. And Lee was the most bearish uh, I've ever heard him. And I've known him, I don't know, 40 years. But his point, uh, I mean, his point was that inflation will be around for a while. The economy is going to be low for a while. Our fiscal problems, deficits and debt and spending is going to be around for a while. So he basically, you know, he was, he was really quite pessimistic. And... Um, he didn't really pull any punches about that. So, Jim Urio, what do you th- what do you think here? You got some shocking news on inflation. The Fed's going to be jacking up their target rate some more. What's happening out there? Where do we go from here? What do you make of it? Well, you know, you and I spoke a little over a week ago, and I had turned somewhat bearish because of the inflation data. So, when you look at what's happening now. It's one of three possibilities that the, perhaps inflation is coming down, but our tools of measuring it are backward looking or antiquated. I don't think that's the case anymore. I do think there's a modest um, pickup in inflation. Um, but inflation is not coming down because the rate hikes perhaps haven't filtered in yet. That's another possibility. Or we have to consider the possibility that inflation has little to do with the demand side and is still largely affected by supply side issues and that the dampening demand is not helping at all. Now, if our government was interested in fighting inflation, they'd push for sensible deregulation. If they were bent on increasing inflation, they'd overregulate, same time increase spending in a futile attempt to offset the toxicity of that, the regulatory initiatives, which is exactly what they're doing. Mm. So to Leon Cooperman's point, that to me is what's the most depressing thing. When you look at when guys like us who are a little bit logical say, well, this is what you should be doing, and then they do the exact opposite, then I have a difficult time believing that we're going to write the ship anytime soon. I, I don't think it's like going to be a huge move low in stocks because I don't think the market positioning and the lack of risk um, 
respect is there like it has been in some other times. So I do think the stock market goes lower, but I don't think we collapse. Yeah, I mean, look, he did say uh, on the S&P 500, he figured we were heading towards 3,400. It, it closed yesterday at 3,970. So he wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like catastrophic. Yeah, that's not the end of the world, right. Uh, yeah. But he did say 3,400. And he kind of talked about a range of 34 to 4,400. But he didn't see any hope. Uh, I think he said 5% probability of getting to 4,400. So, yeah, I like that. And that doesn't mean the end of the world, too. Like, it's not yeah. like everybody's going to get wiped out. I think we could go sideways because of poor, you know, poor leadership at this point in time. But you're right. I mean, Jeff, I mean, it's like they're doing the opposite of what needs to be done. There's, they want to spend more, not less. They want to tax more, not less. And they want to regulate more, not less. And they're not going to give any breaks to uh, the uh, oil and gas industry, which is what they should be doing. We should be producing 14 or 15 million barrels a day. We're still stuck at 12 million barrels a day. Uh, so we're financing Vladimir Putin's war. So, you know, the Washington is not helping. Uh, but I think, um, I mean, what I want to talk about, I mean, I think the Fed is going to have to go higher. My hunch is they're going to have to get to 6%. I, I disagree. I'm going to push back just a little bit, Larry. And you know, The folks in Washington, they've been a stalemate, no doubt about that. But I'll leave the folks in Washington in Washington. But when we talk about the Fed, I think it's remarkable and it's fascinating how much credit we are giving the Federal Reserve. They have been historically wrong for decades. They were just wrong last year when they talked about inflation being transitory. So I think the pendulum swings too far with the Fed. I don't think the terminal rate is going to get anywhere near 6% because I think you will see, and you know this, Larry, inflation, when we do see these month-to-month reports, it's a bit spastic for us to react to every single reading. I think you can't understand inflation in a linear line. I think it's going to be up and down. And right now, yes, we did see a little bit higher than expected PCE. That's the personal consumption expenditure. That's the preferred metric that the Fed likes. But nonetheless, we saw a lot of strength in the consumer. What's fascinating, and I hate to bring up the University of Michigan because you know I dislike the University of Michigan, but the <laughs> University of Michigan sentiment actually improved. It was, it was actually funny. <laughs> so the consumer is so strong, so come on, guys. You know, actually, yeah. though, that uh, you had a high re- you had a strong retail sales number, uh, granted. That's right. But 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 if you um, if you look at the year to year change, it actually was all inflation. It really is it's just almost identical to the uh, CPI, about six and a half percent year to year. So I I agree with you with the month to month stuff, but the reality is retail sales uh, practically zero in real terms, and I want to add to that. Um, the year-to-year change of industrial production and manufacturing, uh, zero, basically zero. And housing starts continue to plunge. I mean, it's hard to make much of a positive case. Uh, I know Joe Biden would like to make that, but I don't think anybody's buying it. And the other thing is, uh, take a look at your numbers on Wages and inflation. Wages are still coming in below the consumer price index. It's not good. Real wages continue to fall. So I think what you got here is a stagnant economy with very sticky inflation. 
I think that's the problem. I, I want I want Jimmy to weigh in a second, but what's really interesting, we see all this emotion, right? We probably had too much of gains in the stock market in January, and now we're probably a little oversold. But when you see this much emotion, I think Leon Cooperman is right. You have to rely upon the technicals. And 39.40 is the 200-day moving average. We kissed it on Friday. So I think we are going to continue to see higher lows, but we're in a range here. I think you have to embrace the volatility, not run from it. Jimmy, get in here. So I, you, Larry forgot to mention the Philly Fed Index last week that came out absolutely indicating that a recession is coming. The yield curve still says, to your point, Jeff, yeah. that the Fed is go, is moving too far in one direction. Whatever the reason is, the ones I you know, came up with at the beginning, probably because uh, they don't know how to measure inflation. Did you well, say I was right? Because, yeah, I said you were right. And you were funny about the University of Michigan thing. So it's two to, <laughs> two to nothing now, Gilbert, which I rarely like to give you any, any kudos there. But, uh, yeah, I do think – I think there's a huge bifurcation within the economy too. I think there was such a wealth transfer over the last three years that the pe- people with money are still spending it. And, you know, restaurant numbers are still pretty good, particularly in nice areas and upper-end places. But people without money – you saw that the statistic on uh, car loans. Uh, delinquencies, credit card delinquencies, and then you look at the fact that credit card debt has hit almost one trillion an all-time high at the same and time. Jimmy, Jimmy that's the metric left. that's really confusing. That's the metric that's confusing the Fed. Inflation went higher in January, but the consumer is still strong. They don't know what yeah. to do. I think the consumer is borrowing and spending. I think it's sort of the YOLO thing. After the rug was pulled on them for three straight years and they were locked up, I think people are willing to spend and and uh, hope you know that's a problem for tomorrow, Jim. I think the federal government is bankrupt and just won't admit it. <laughs> Those monetary theory people. Just, you know what? They had their day. They had their day in court. Uh, the, monet- the modern monetary theory section of the Notre Dame Economics <laughs> Department had its day in court, and it flunked. It completely flunked. Uh, well, they, and that, they don't agree with that. They and, still keep saying that, oh, we just didn't do it right. Know, we, the most, we, most asinine we, thing I've ever seen. We didn't do enough of it. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Really. And then the the political wisdom in Washington is let's not touch Social Security and Medicare. Let's yeah. let's just watch it go down. <laughs> Excuse me, a headache. <laughs> I mean, really, it's uh, by the by, as a sidebar, uh, Jeff Kilberg, the the cons- the um, cost of living adjustment, which was significant because the CPI was so high in 2022. That's right. That is a temporary stimulus, uh, which is going to go away. But it's a temporary stimulus. It's a one one shot that could uh, be one explanation for the strong retail sales number in um, January. Just saying. Well, I, no, you bring up a great point. I think it's cautious optimism, which is what I have. And look at look at Warren Buffett. He just came out. He has more cash than ever, $130 billion to his balance sheet, buying treasury. So he's waiting to be in poise for, for dry powder. But nonetheless, this isn't as bad. And the fact that we have such a bipolar view on the market, that means this market is very coiled. I believe this is going to break to the upside, not to the downside, because we've already retested that. You don't need a capitulation in stocks. I think we actually had a capitulation in interest rates back in October. Jim Urio, can we, can you have it like a negative coil, which is what I think Kilberg's trying to say? It's coiled, but I think it's going to sure. coil down. No, I think it's coiled in either, it can coil in either direction. And I don't think – see, the problem I have – 
with the big, huge, like a uh, vacuous move down is because I think, you know, the VIX has been relatively high. You know, the, the um, volatility, it just seems like people aren't all on one side of the boat. And the explosion of options trading over the last few years, I think it's less likely that everybody crowds on and we get we collapse. I think 3,800 is my level. 3,400 that Leon Cooperman said is reasonable to me, but I've begun selling some 3,800 puts. That's where I want to start buying some things. And uh, yeah, again, I think if we have, as we start to come to an election, we believe that the conversation is being pulled much more like it was in 1980. That deregulation is going to replace overregulation, mm. and that uh, this you know global. I'm not a globalization guy, but to be able to to repair relationships that help repair, repair supply chains. And some big nine economists are talking about just this big move from China to India. Well, that's a decades long thing. I don't want to. I don't want to wait a decade for prosperity. We got to get things going a little quicker. By the way, speaking of globalization, we got to take a break. But globalization, so that former CEO of Mastercard is going to run the World Bank. What does that mean? Oh, great. Does that oh, mean great. we're all, we're all going into debt? <laughs> that's what it seems I mean, like to me. I mean, <laughs> is, aren't they in the business of debt? <laughs> so he's going to run the. World. I got to get out of here, uh, Jim. Hold <laughs> on, fellas. We're going to come back. Jim Urio, sure. TJM Institutional Services, Jeff Kilberg, KKM Financial. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back. Now back to the Larry Cudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We are talking stocks. We've got Jim Urio, director of TJM Institutional Services, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. Jim Urio, what's a, what's your bond thinking these days? So I still think rates are going higher still, probably for the remainder of the year. Um, I still think the, the the curve stays inverted. I could see the tenure trading up, you know, four and a quarter. Uh, within the next couple quarters before the realization comes that rates are going to have to go back down again. So, uh, yeah, I still am a bear. So 393. Jeff Kilberg, uh, you have a 6% Fed funds rate. I think the 10 years got to go to about four and a half, maybe five, because you got to have real rates. You can't live with negative real rates. That's modern monetary theory, which flunked. Can't do it. Not only that, Uncle Sam is selling lots of bonds. In fact, Uncle Sam will be selling more or less $20 trillion of bonds in the next 10 years, according to the Congressional Budget Office. And the Federal Reserve is not buying bonds. In fact, the Fed is selling bonds, Mr. Kilberg. So that doesn't make me happy about the bond outlook. No, it doesn't make anyone happy. But you know what Uncle Sam is also doing? Paying a whole heck of a lot more in interest on his balance sheet. So I do not see the 10-year spending much time about 4%. I think by design, they have let the curve be inverted. So you're seeing the six-month right now at 5.11%. That's remarkable. But I do think that you're going to see this continue to trade in a range. And I think the bond market is providing leadership. So we saw the 10-year just at 340 two weeks ago. It shoots up 50 basis points, nearly 60 basis points. And what happens? You see technology profit-taking. So I think you continue to have to look at the bond market. I think the Fed's going to flinch. I think they're going to blink. I think they're going to do something because the last thing Fed Chairman Powell really wants to do is push us into recession. And I think we're really towing the line right now. So I think they have to sit on their hands. I know the Fed fund is pricing two more 25 basis points. That's kind of a given. Uh, rate hikes. But nonetheless, I think after this next one, I think the language may ease if indeed inflation abates like I see it, like I envision inflation really abating. 
Yeah, well, it's a triumph of hope over experience. Every buyer needs a seller. That's the way I look at that. That's pretty much the way I look at that one. Um, well, well, Yuri, Yuri was citing nineteen eighty. I know you guys were both shaving in nineteen eighty, but I was in diapers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have some of that experience that you guys envisioned and endured in the 80s. By the way, speaking of what the Fed wants, you know, they have a position open, vice chair. And one of the – it didn't get enough press, although I covered it last night. Um, the uh, press secretary, what's it, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked about that. And she said, well, we're going to look at this position on the basis of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Not merit, mind you, not experience, but diversity, equity, inclusion. This is for vice chair of the Fed, which is, you know, a relatively important position. It's not the be-all, end-all, but it's kind of important. It's got a big title. Can you imagine that? So Austin Goolsby in Chicago, who is now the president of Chicago Fed, was touted for that job, gentlemen. I mean, I know Austin. You may know him, too. Sure. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, Austin's yeah, a li- Austin's a lib, but he's a moderate lib, uh, very moderate lib. Taught at Chicago Business School for many years. Uh, worked for Obama, CEA. Uh, he can't make it. He's got skin is the wrong color. His pronoun is wrong. Everything How about him is wrong. Isn't this just the saddest state of affairs when we yeah. when we get away from meritocracy? Like, who cares? Right. What color or what uh, sexual orientation someone is, if they know what they're doing, and they, I don't. This this is the reason. This is the thing that keep me up at night. I don't. I don't understand this for one second. I mean, she never even bothered to even hint that it would be done on the basis of merit, experience, for example, diversity, you know, equity, they, and inclusion. I mean, she just went, came right out and said it. It was amazing. How highly, how highly politicized they are. They almost like to pick someone who is like tragically unqualified for a spot, put them yeah. in there just to make their political opponents crazy. Mm. And then they look at us and say, see, these guys are uninjured and they're crazy. And I can, again, this is not some conspiracy theory. I can give about 10 examples of that. So could you guys, I'm sure. That's why Miss Kilberg should be more cautious, I think. Much, more, much more cautious. <laughs> in, my, in my stock market out view. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. But, but I think, I think bonds, there's volatility, political volatility bonds provides too. opportunity, Larry. And bonds, and bonds. But I think when you have this wide of dispersion, it, like I said, I feel it's very coiled. And I just see the market moving to the upside because that is the path of most pain. Look at the under people. Can I add one thing that I think is really important Please. that we haven't mentioned at all? The BOJ keeps you know, injecting cash, and that believes in, like, you want to talk about who's going to buy the bonds. Mm, great point. Perhaps if, if they, yeah, if they, and they keep throwing money into the system, perhaps that bleeds over to the bonds and goes against my you know, bearish thesis on it. But that, that could be one of the reasons the stocks or bonds rally. I just want to make sure we said that because I think it's an important thing. Well, they got them. a new guy. They're putting a new guy into the uh, BOJ. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but you understand that's all controlled by the government. It's not an independent central bank. It's controlled by the Ministry of Finance, which is run by a bunch of left-wing Keynesians. It's a closed exactly. economy. I mean, really, it's a disappointing. Well, how, how independent is our central bank, Larry? How independent really is Look, it? Compared to Japan, very independent. Fair enough. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Very independent. I mean, uh, it's pretty independent. That that doesn't mean they're not stupid. It just means they're independent. There's a difference. <laughs> okay. Good point. Stupid is different than independent. You can be stupidly independent. 
Anyway, we have Jim Urio and Jeff Kilberg. I'm Cudlow. I have been stupidly independent Next, <laughs> Money and Politics up next with John Fund and Steve Moore. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back.